Good morning, everybody. <laughs> um, friends, what a pleasure it is for me to be here and, and what a privilege uh, to have this lovely background music as I <laughs> welcome you to the sermon portion of the service. Friends, <clears throat> um, it's extra special for me to be up here today because as some of you will know, maybe most of you will know, this is uh, gonna be my last Sunday uh, here as one of your pastors at Treach. I'm being um, reappointed, uh, appointed to, uh, to be the senior pastor of uh, the First United Methodist Church in Forney, Texas. And that will begin on July 1st, but uh, I'm leaving my family. In fact, we're leaving uh, later today to drive to visit my family in Georgia for a little while. They haven't met their, uh, their grandkids in person yet. Um, they're very excited and so are we. Um, but uh, so today will be my last Sunday, but also be my last day um, here as one of your pastors. And I want to say thank you. I, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty new at this. I've, this is my second church that I've served. I've only had to say goodbye to one church before. And uh, so I'm not exactly a pro at this. Um, there's just so many things I want to say, but well, I guess if there's only one thing I could say about it, it would be thank you. You have shaped me in so many ways. Um, and if any of you have been blessed just a fraction of the amount that I have been blessed with the opportunity to be one of your pastors, then, um, well, then it was, it was all been worth it for me. And um, thank you for uh, the privilege to be one of your pastors. Well, I don't really, it was, it was kind of awkward. I don't really know how to do this. So how about uh, instead of talking about that, some more. How about I just preach the gospel one more time before, uh, before I go on my way? What do you say? Okay. Yeah. That's, that's better anyway. Uh, friends, we have been walking through the book of Acts for the past few weeks. And um, today we're going to be looking at mostly at a text in, um, the, in Acts, a little bit in Acts chapter 11, and then focusing in Acts chapter 13. Um, but if you've heard me preach very many times, you've probably heard me say something like this, which is, you know, I think we need to back up a little bit um, because I, uh, there's something that is really important that's going on in this, this part of the book of Acts that I think we need to kind of go back and kind of uh, look at uh, from the beginning of, of the book. And, and, I, and I, I tell you, so many times I have found that some of the most powerful blessing in scripture comes when I see this sort of broad scope of it, when I begin to see the, the, the arc of the storyline, when I begin to see kind of how, uh, how, how Christ, how the Holy Spirit sort of uh, finds us in one place and takes us to somewhere else, right? To see that journey, to see that transformation, to see the, the way that the Holy Spirit has, has worked and woven through history and woven through people's lives. And so, so, so okay, I, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna preach the whole book of Acts today. I'll just preach half the book of Acts, if that's all right with you. Um, but, but, but really though, what I'd like to do is to just go back to the beginning of the book of Acts, because I think there's, there's something uh, on the very first page of Acts that is um, so important, uh, really for the whole book, but certainly for what I'm seeing and what, um, what I think the Holy Spirit is teaching us through our text for today. And that is, so if you were to turn if you were to have a Bible in your hands and you were to turn to Acts and you were to open up the first page, and if your Bible were to have red letters in it, now of course not all of the Bibles have red letters, 
That's fine, most of mine don't. This one just happens to. But you can, what I can see is that there's two sort of blotches of red right toward the very beginning of Acts. And that's because at the very beginning of the book of Acts, um, we get the final, essentially the last words of Jesus to his disciples before he ascends into heaven to be with the Father. So we get these two statements from Jesus. And I think there's two things that are so important here. And um, here's one of them. Jesus says, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And a little down below, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And this is one of those powerful, oh so important threads all throughout the book of Acts is the gift of the Holy Spirit, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, the way that the Holy Spirit is gonna dwell inside God's people and is gonna move them and shape them and is gonna, gonna bind them together into a church and is gonna begin to, um, to, to change the world. And then the second thread is also there, one of those little red uh, sections of the first page of the book of Acts where Jesus says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. And this is the Great Commission. You're probably more familiar with the version from uh, the end of the Gospel of Matthew where he says, go therefore into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. This is essentially the same thing. Once again, Jesus is just saying, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. You're gonna take the, the gospel, you're gonna take the message of what I, Christ, of, of what I, God has done here. And starting just right here in your neighborhood, you're gonna take it and you're gonna go, uh, you're gonna go and you're gonna go and eventually the whole world is gonna know. So that's the other threads, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit and the Great Commission. And we're gonna see these come up over and over again. And it's not very long until from there until we get the beginning of chapter two and that's where we began our worship series, right? On the day of Pentecost. And in fact, we read when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. The disciples were together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And we read how there were these uh, you know, faithful Jews from all over the Roman Empire and beyond that were gathered there in Jerusalem for the Passover and how even though they all spoke different languages, they heard the disciples preaching to them and proclaiming what Christ had done in their own language because the Holy Spirit had given them that power. They had been filled with the Spirit to fulfill the Great Commission. In fact, it began right there on that day of Pentecost. Those two threads came together. And, and Peter uh, preaches an incredible sermon. I, early, you know, you should, I really recommend you go home and just read all of uh, Acts chapter 2 later today. There's this powerful sermon. And when the people had heard it, we read this starting in verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit isn't just for those who were gathered in that room. It wasn't just for the apostles and, and for Mary and all those who were uh, of that, that kind of small group, about 120. No, the Holy, gift of the Holy Spirit is for everyone who believes. And it wasn't just then, it's now too. The Holy Spirit is for you, my friends, and for me, for all of God's people. And so just below there, we get to the text that Dr. Lavender um, uh, preached on for us last week. He was talking about that first community, right? This, this body of, and in fact, there were, we read that there were 3,000 who came to Christ from that one sermon. That, that was quite a sermon. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit was there. Uh, 3,000 people came to Christ in one sermon. And um, so this whole body of 3,000 plus disciples were together. And as Dr. Lavender preached on last week, he said, awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And we read that they were spending time together, worshiping every day in the temple, that they were going to one another's houses from house to house, breaking bread and fellowshipping that the power of the Holy Spirit was binding them together so much, so thoroughly, was, was, was giving them such a powerful love for one another that they were able to forget about their own needs and their own desires and were willing to give up everything they had if it meant caring for someone who was in need. That is an amazing power from the Holy Spirit. And that's a beautiful image of what the church could be like, but we don't have to read much further to see that it wasn't always rose-colored glasses. It wasn't always happy, easy times. In fact, it didn't take very long before persecution raised its head. In fact, every time the apostles turn around, they're being dragged in front of the priests. They're being dragged in front of a judge. They're being uh, thrown in prison. They're being beaten. They're being told, do not preach in the name of Jesus ever again but then they escape from prison by the Holy Spirit. They're given such courage by the Holy Spirit that no matter what they do to them, they still go out and they preach to fulfill the great commission that Jesus had given them. And there's this sort of climactic moment at the end of Acts chapter seven. You see, there was a amazing servant of the church named Stephen the first deacons of the church. And he had been brought up on phony charges of blasphemy and they had charged him with saying um, blasphemous things about God and about Moses. And he gives a beautiful speech. Uh, um, he presents them with the, the story of their, of, of their people and what God has been doing, but it didn't, this time it didn't make a difference and they stoned him to death. He became the first martyr for the name of Jesus Christ. And it's funny how this works because it's in that moment, that horrible moment, when this terrible thing had happened to this holy man that through that, the Holy Spirit continues to work because it's at that time that all the disciples begin to scatter. It says that, it says that in the beginning, uh, there in, toward the beginning of chapter eight, now those who were scattered 
right, who were running for their lives when they heard what happened to Stephen, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and there he proclaimed to them Christ. Remember, Jesus had said, you're gonna be my witnesses here and, and in Judea and in Samaria. And it says Philip is running for his life. He finds himself in Samaria and he finds that he has that boldness to preach the gospel to them. And that as all the disciples are scattering, they're, they're spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the world. In fact, Philip runs into another guy, an Ethiopian uh, eunuch who uh, happens to be, you know, riding down the road in a chariot reading the scroll of Isaiah. It doesn't happen to me that often, but um, maybe it happened more often back then. I don't know. But um, he happens to, to meet a, 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 this Ethiopian man and he, uh, he explains to him the gospel. And in fact, if you were to go to Ethiopia and ask someone in the Ethiopian Orthodox church to tell you the history of their church, they would say it began with this man right here, that this man heard the gospel from Philip and went back to Ethiopia and began the church there, the Ethiopian Orthodox church. It sounds like the ends of the earth to me from the perspective of someone in Judea, right? Once again, this great commission is going forward. The Holy Spirit is carrying them along. We read about Peter and Cornelius. Peter finds himself, he has a vision from the Holy Spirit, but then he finds himself in the home of Cornelius the centurion. Not only is he a Gentile, he's also a high-ranking Roman military official, probably about the last place that a, a Christian at this time would want to find himself. And yet the Holy Spirit had put them there and he gave him the boldness to speak the word of God, to speak about the message of Jesus and that day, everyone in the house, and Cornelius invited his whole household, invited everyone he knew. And all of those people, it says, not only did they believe, but they received the Holy Spirit. And for the first time, um, someone who was not, someone who was, who was a Gentile received, it says, the Holy Spirit. And then we arrive now at, at uh, this is, if you happen to have a Bible and you're at Acts chapter 11, this is beginning in verse 19, because we're going to talk about the church at Antioch. And this is where I want to focus for the, the rest of our time today. Because there's amazing things that happened at Antioch. Let me read this. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution, right? So this is the same sort of scattering that happened when Stephen was killed. Those who, happened, who scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also. And in this case, the Hellenists means Greek people. It means Gentiles. Coming to Antioch, they spoke to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. 
And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch and one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And they did so sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So Barnabas and Saul, uh, who later would be named Paul, uh, take this gift uh, to take it to Jerusalem. We pick up uh, the very end of chapter 12. We just get sort of the summation of what happened. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, as we could, if, we were to, if we were to continue to read from there, we would read about the journey of, of uh, Saul and Barnabas. In fact, if, if you have a Bible, it probably has maps in the back of them. Usually those maps, there's one that says the missionary journeys of Paul. This is what they call the first missionary journey of Paul. And essentially he goes around to different, uh, different cities all in the area. And um, some places the word of God is received joyfully. Other places they barely escape with their lives. In fact, one time, Uh, They actually stone Paul and leave him for dead. But by the grace of God, he he survives and he barely escapes with his life. And in the end, uh, and this brings us to the end of chapter 14, um, they return alive to Antioch and they are able to tell the church about all the experience and how many people had come to the Lord. See, I, I told you I'd only preach half of Acts. That's 14, right? So there's 28 chapters, so... I won't, go, I won't go past there. Friends, why am I spending so much time dwelling on this? And why am I t- read so much of, of this about the church at Antioch? I think that the church at Antioch um, has so much to teach us. I think the Holy Spirit did something amazing there. I think the Holy Spirit wants to do something amazing here. And I wonder if we look at the church of Antioch, look at at what the Holy Spirit was doing, how the Holy Spirit was forming that church and shaping them to fulfill the Great Commission, maybe that'll help us to understand what the Holy Spirit is leading us into, friends. And so uh, I asked, uh, I look at this text and I I, I asked myself, what, what was the Holy Spirit doing? And so what I, what I came up with is, and you have, to, you have to forgive me, I normally only have uh, three points, but uh, this is my last time, so I got six. But I promise it's gonna be worth it. I gotta get it all, it's my last sermon, I gotta get everything in. I promise it'll be worth it. <laughs> Friends, um, what does a spirit-filled Great Commission church look like? That's those two threads, right? Spirit-filled Great Commission. What's a spirit-filled Great Commission church look like? 
Well, we look back over in chapter 11 and we read uh, that there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. I think a spirit-filled Great Commission church is a, a witnessing church, a, a testifying church, is an evangelizing church. It's a church who will go to the people least likely to care, least likely to respond, the ch- people least like us, and tell them the story of Jesus anyway. Tell them what Christ did for them anyway to show them the love of Jesus Christ anyway, to show them what a life transformed by Christ looks like anyway. That's what those disciples at Antioch did. They went to the Greeks. Everybody else was going, just going to their own people. They went to the Greeks. Why would they care? They don't don't know the history. They don't know the scriptures. They don't have the prophets. They don't know any of this stuff. Why would they care? They went to them anyway. I wonder if the Holy Spirit is wanting to shape this church into a witnessing church, a testifying church, an evangelizing church. I wonder if the Holy Spirit wants to shape us into a church that's going to the people least likely to care and least likely to respond and, and least like us. He's showing them the love of Jesus anyway and telling them what Christ did for them anyway. I wonder if the Holy Spirit is calling us to do that. I think maybe he is. We read on. So they send, uh, the church in Jerusalem sends Barnabas to support the people. And, and uh, he gets there and he must've seen that it was too big a job for one guy because he's like, we gotta bring in the big guns. So he goes and he finds Saul, right? He goes and finds the apostle Paul and he brings him back. And together it says, uh, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, it's in that context, the disciples were first called Christians. A disciple really just means student, students of Christ. It seems like the church at Antioch, the Holy Spirit was making them into a a learning church, a church that's hungry for the word of God, a church that is hungry to know more about Christ, a church that is hungry to know more about what the Holy Spirit has in store for them, a learning church, a, a teaching church. It seems like that's what the Holy Spirit was doing in Antioch. I wonder if... The Holy Spirit is wanting, is wanting to form this church, continue forming us into that learning church, a church where we never get enough of God's word, where we're always hungry for more. We always wanna know more, learn more, experience more of him. I think maybe he is. We continue and we read about the prophet Agabus, that he comes from Jerusalem and he stands up and he says, 
uh, he foretold by the Spirit there would be a great famine over all the world. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And they did so. So a prophet shows up and he says, there's gonna be a famine over all the world. And what did they do? They didn't go and, and, and uh, uh, you know, pack up their pantries and make sure that they had enough first. And, you know, I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody uh, of hoarding during the pandemic. I have a whole story about toilet paper that I would like to tell you some other time. Um, <laughs> but a spirit-filled Great Commission church, it seems like, is a church where the first thing the disciples think of when they hear that a famine is coming to all the world is we've got to help those people in Judea who don't have enough. Like, can, you, can you imagine that? To be so filled and, and shaped and, and liberated, I think, by the Holy Spirit that we wouldn't think of ourselves first and we would think of those less fortunate than us. That is amazing. I wonder if that's the kind of church that the Holy Spirit is, wants to continue making us into. I wonder if the Holy Spirit wants to continue uh, breaking our hearts for those who are in need. I wonder if the Holy Spirit wants to continue making us into a church whose first thought isn't what can I get, but who can we serve? I think maybe the Holy Spirit is shaping us into that church. We continue reading over in the beginning of chapter 13. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon and Lucius and Manaen and Saul, prophets and teachers. You know, if you, um, if you were to turn over to Ephesians chapter four, you would see... Um, where the Apostle Paul talks about that, that God gave the church uh, prophets and teachers and evangelists and apostles and pastors for the, for the building up of the church. In fact, if you, if you were to look, uh, I think if you were to go to Treach's website to like our spiritual gifts page, you'll see that, that uh, there's at least 20 different spiritual gifts that, uh, the church, that, we've, that have been identified in scripture and that here at Treach that we believe in and that we believe that uh, God is calling us to live out. But there at, uh, at Antioch, you know, so they, at least they had prophets and teachers. We know that they've got apostles. Paul is there, right? We know they've got evangelists. Who else would, have, would go to the Greeks when nobody else had gone to them to tell them about Jesus? You know they've got shepherds. Who else would spend all that time teaching and guiding and, and, and nurturing other people? I think that a Spirit-filled, Great Commission Church is, a, is, a, is a, 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 a gifted church. And what I mean by that is a church that truly believes that the Holy Spirit gives his people gifts, that each and every one of us has a gift from the Holy Spirit. I think the church in Antioch was a church where everyone uh, was seeking to live into that gift to understand it, to find out how to use it for the building up of the body of Christ. And we see that here. And, and I wonder 
if the Holy Spirit is wanting to shape this church more and more into that, to become a truly gifted church, a church there where we truly believe that God has given each and every single one of us a special gift to use for his glory, for Christ's kingdom. I think he is calling us to that. We read that while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart Barnabas and Saul for me. And after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them. I had a hard time coming up with a name for this one because I couldn't find one word that, that totally encapsulates it. But I finally settled on, I think a, a spirit-filled Great Commission church is a worshiping church. And here's what I mean by that. I don't just mean that, that we come to church every Sunday. That's a great thing to do. I, you know, I highly recommend it. But you know, that, that word worship, um, the kind of root, if you were to look at the root words of it, kind of a rough English translation would be something like the people's work. Worship is the people's work, the work of the people. The, the English word liturgy comes from that, the work of the people, the people's work. You know, we talk about worship services. And I used to kind of always think that when I would come to a worship service, it meant that I was coming to get served some worship, right? That I was coming to get my portion of worship for the week to kind of fill me up. And don't get me wrong, I need to be with God's people and I need to worship. I think we all do. I think that's something that happens to us when we become Christians and the Holy Spirit's living inside of us. We need to be with God's people, but that's not what we're doing when we worship. We're not being served. In fact, it is us who are serving God. That's what we mean when we say worship service. We all come ready to serve God, to offer pray, uh, sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving, to offer to God our, our cares and our concerns, to offer to God our hearts, our praise, our thanksgiving, to offer to God our very selves, our lives, everything we have, to offer it up to God, to serve God together, to do the people's work. And prayer is very much a part of that, right? We're offering to God ourselves, our cares, our concerns, our, our thanksgiving. Fasting too, it's about giving that time to God. It's about paring everything else away, to take away, taking away the distractions, about, about um, uh, helping us to focus on that work of the people. So it seems like a spirit-filled Great Commission church is a church, a worshiping church, where they're offering up themselves and everything they have to God, not just on Sunday morning, but every day at every moment. And I wonder if the Holy Spirit is wanting to continue forming this church into a worshiping church. I wonder if the Holy Spirit is wanting to continue forming us into a people who would give every single second of every single day to God. We offer up our whole lives, everything we do and say for God's glory. I think the Holy Spirit is calling us to that. And finally, friends, we read this. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. 
And they laid hands on them and sent them off. And being sent by the Holy Spirit, they went on their way. You see, the church sends them out, but it's not just the church that's sending them out, it's the Holy Spirit who's sending them out, who says, who calls them to send Paul and Barnabas, and who in fact sends them, who gives them the strength, who fills them and carries them along as they go. It seems like a spirit-filled Great Commission church is a church that is forming disciples who are gonna go out into the world, carrying the message of the cross with them wherever they go, sending them out. I wonder if the Holy Spirit is calling this church to continue being a sending church and grow more and more into that. And I'm not just talking about myself. As I was, as I was uh, preaching this for the first time in the 8.30 service, I thought, you know, it sounds like I'm leading up to talk about me. You, because in fact, you are sending me off today. That's what's happening. You, you, in fact, you've been sending me off since the moment I first arrived here two years ago because you've been preparing me and shaping me for the thing that God is calling me to do next. And of course, it wasn't just you doing that. It was the Holy Spirit doing that through you. And even if you think you didn't have any part in that, you did just by being a part of this family because that's what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. Every single part counts. and Every single part makes a difference. And so you're sending me out. The Holy Spirit is sending me out through you. But it's not just about me. In fact, I think the Holy Spirit is sending every single one of us out. Now, maybe you're not moving to the faraway country of Forney, Texas. And maybe you're not moving to, 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 to Mozambique or to so many other places in the world where, our, our, where, we are, um, where we are trying to be faithful to the Spirit by sending the gospel, by sending that compassion. But wherever you go, You're being sent out by the Holy Spirit. And you're taking the message of the cross with you. And you're taking the love of Jesus with you. And you're taking the power of the Holy Spirit with you. We send one another out every single day. And I hope we can recognize that. That when we leave this place, that's what's happening. We're being sent into the world to fulfill the Great Commission in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not just going home, we're not just going to lunch. We're being sent out by the Spirit through the body of Christ. I want you to know that about yourself. And I hope that, that I believe the Holy Spirit is gonna continue forming this church into into that. And I hope, I think the Holy Spirit is going to continue teaching us and shaping us and showing us what it means to be a spirit-filled, great commission church, just like the church at Antioch. Would you pray with me? God, we can't begin to thank you for your gifts. Your servant James said to us that every good and perfect gift comes down from you from the Father of lights. And God, we thank you for all your gifts. 
above all, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you that, that, that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. That through his cross, we are forgiven and we're free and we belong to him through faith in him. And God, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who is shaping us and forming us and changing us to be more like Christ and sending us out to fulfill his great commission in the power of your Holy Spirit. God, send us out, shape us. And all these things we ask in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.